0: amen to a faithful congregation serving a faithful God amen it is it's a blessing today to be in the house of the Lord I give special honor to brother and sister Sturgill it is so good to have them here with us today I'm glad they're with us in the house of the Lord amen brother Sturgill a man of God preacher of the word amen and we uh they are always welcome to visit with us and we give them special honor. Praise God. Hallelujah. I'm ready to preach. Jesus has a table spread where the saints of God are fed. Y'all know that song? He invites his chosen people come and die. I couldn't help but think of that as we set that table. Amen, Sister Cassie, wherever she went, we stole her tablecloth in her room. Amen. Hopefully, we're not going to mess it up. But I, I, I want to preach for a little while today or teach, and it'll probably be more teaching today. But I, I want to I give a thought that in all of the years of ministering, I have never preached uh, that I know of. And uh, that's a lot of messages over 30-something years. But there's something that God... Uh, imparted to me that I want to give to you all and some things to consider about God that you may have never considered about the Lord. You know, Paul said that I may know him in the power of his what? In the power of resurrection. We want to know him in the power of his resurrection, don't we? And you know, we always say that, but we leave off the other part. And the fellowship of his suffering Amen. I I believe today that it's the will of God that we know Jesus in every portion, in every way. Did you know that when we get to heaven, there's only one there with scars in his body. And his name is Jesus. Amen. And so today I believe that it's the will of God that we get to know him better. And I know that we say well, I've been buried in his name. I have repented of my sins. I've been filled with the Holy Ghost. Well, I will tell you that's just the tip of the iceberg in having a relationship with Jesus Christ. Amen. And I'm grateful today that he is in this house. I have many scripture that I'll be referring to in all of this uh, lesson today so why don't we do this instead of an introductory scripture why don't we lift our hands to the lord and just love him tonight and thank him for the word of god lord we give you adoration and praise almighty god we know today lord that you are the holy one of israel lord the bride and morning star the lily of the valley and the rose of sharon i know today god That you are he that inhabits the praises of his people. And today, God, we praise you for your word. Today, God, we magnify you for your word. We exalt you. And I pray, God, let that word to work in us. Minister. Speak, God. Change us. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. And the church said "Amen." amen. Praise the Lord. You can be seated. Brother Justin, I'm popping for some reason. I don't know what it is, but we need to adjust something there. I want to preach tonight or teach on this topic, God the Great Gardener. Amen. God the Great Gardener. I know that this may sound strange or the title may sound strange when we think of Jesus. We think of the descriptive titles of Jesus and we pray in those titles as well as the name of Jesus, don't we? Amen. He is wonderful, counselor. Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. I don't know about you, but I call those every time I pray. They're a part of my prayer vocabulary. Amen. He is Savior, Redeemer, Bread of Life, Creator, Holy One of Israel, King of Kings, Lord of Lords, Alpha and Omega, Beginning, the End, the First and the Last. He's my Advocate. He's my propitiation. He's my, he's my redeemer. He's everything that I need him to be. And I want you to know tonight, amen, that I want to know him in his fullness. Amen. In as much as possible. I, I'm, I'm going to tell you, I'm hungry for God. Amen. as a matter of fact, we can, if we're not careful, we can get to know God in, in portions, in little bitty pieces and Coming to the house of God, we'll think, you know, this is the way we've got to do it. And coming to the house of God, we'll think, you know, this, is, this here has, has got to transpire. And if not, we've not touched God. But let me tell you something, that's not necessarily the way that it is. Amen. Moses met him in a burning bush. Amen. Amen. Jonah got a really good conversation with him in the belly of a whale. Amen. David was talked to. Uh, by God in many different forms, we find that Elijah, amen, Brother Bogle, he found him in a cave. And he said he talked to him in a still small voice in a way, in an unexpected way, that he never thought that he would talk to him. Amen. But when we think of Jesus, we think of his descriptive titles. And we're familiar to us, all of these titles that I've preached about or I'm preaching about. Amen. But I've never heard him called the great gardener. Is anyone else good? Amen. This should be new to you. Let me give us some insight about him that you may have never considered. In Genesis 1, the Bible says, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Amen. God simply said it, and it was so. On the first day, God said, Let there be light. There was light. Now let me tell you this. If you've never considered it. He made light before he made sun. Amen. On the second day. He said let there be a firmament in the midst of the water. And there was. Why? By the authority and the power of God's voice. On the third day. He said, let the waters under the heaven be gathered together under one place and let dry land appear. I want to tell us all today that God's word is sure. And if God says it, it just simply is. Amen. There is no variableness in him. There is no lying in him. Amen. And whatever he says is Amen. I believe that on the the day that Jesus cried out for Lazarus to come out of the grave, that as he stood and looked at the cemetery, Amen. I believe that if he had not have said the name Lazarus, that every dead person in that mountain would have got up and walked out of that grave. Because that was the voice of the Creator, Amen, reaching unto his creation commanding him that he should obey let me tell us today the the word of God is powerful oh praise God sharper than any two edged sword that's what the word says and I know that the promises contained in the word of God are yea and amen amen they're sure God's word amen is true it's real God created man in his own image that's what it tells us Amen. I'll submit that, uh, uh, that our words carry more weight than you ever thought they did. Right. Right. Yeah. Sure. Amen. Someone said, well, I, I, I just, I, I don't believe that. If he is going to judge us for every idle word, then know this, that our words matter. And the things that we say matter. And the things that we speak matter. And the things that we make a proclamation of, they matter. So we've got to be careful of what we say unless it be. Amen. So I'm going to say, you mean by the power of your voice? Yes, simply by your saying it. Amen. It becomes, if you tell your child that you'll never be anything, you'll never amount to nothing, you're good for nothing, more than likely you'll wind up with a child, amen, that is not very progressive in their life. But if you tell a child you can be anything you want to be, God has made you special. Amen. You are special in the sight of God. Let me tell you today, I believe through the power of your speaking into others, amen, that you create something. Amen. Our words carry weight. God created man in his own image. Amen. And how did he make us? He made us in the likeness of God. Amen. So God spoke things into existence, and they were. And whether you realize it or not, you have to speak things in and out of existence and God honors those. Amen. Matter of fact, the Bible says this, it was salvation. Man has to believe in his heart and confess with his mouth. Amen. I'm not getting on another doctrine. I'm talking about the Bible. That's what the Bible says. Amen. So by the power and the authority of the voice, we see these things come to pass. Amen. And then... If we discover, we look at all of the days, all the way down to the seventh day, somewhere in that time, probably on day three, in Genesis 2 and 8, the Bible said, and the Lord God planted a garden. How about that? East in Eden, and then he put the man that he had formed. Amen. What did God do? He planted a garden. Planted a garden. And then it says, and out of the ground made the Lord God to grow every tree that is pleasant to the sight and good for food. And God, amen. How many know that God was a gardener? If he planted it, he planted it. Now, I don't know how he planted it. I know he reached into the dust of the ground and he molded and he formed man. Amen. But let me tell you this, I don't know how he made it. I don't know if he reached into the dirt with that same hand and he planted in that place a garden. Amen. But I do know this, that whether he spoke it or whether he put his hand in the dirt, it became. Amen. So God planted a garden. And then, after he planted a garden, then in verse 15, the Bible said that he took the man... And he made him, the man that he had made in his own image, and he put him in the Garden of Eden to dress it and to keep it. So now we find man being like his father. Jesus was the second Adam. Adam was was the son of God. How many know that? Amen. In as so much as he made him, he created him, he breathed into him the breath of life. Jesus Christ was the second Adam. But let me tell us all today about the first Adam, whether you realize it or not, he too was a farmer. How about that? I think God likes farmers like he likes fishermen. I'm going to prove it to you. He put man there to dress it and to keep it. Who was he? He became the groundskeeper of the garden. I mean, in the back of my house there, I have a garden. I'm the groundskeeper of the garden. I mean, I have a fence now around my garden, Brother Danny. Got a fence around the garden. The fence works, except for one little rabbit I saw in there this evening. We'll have him for supper next week. have him with some of those carrots should be good wouldn't it not only was God a gardener but now we find that Adam was made a gardener in Genesis 4 and 1 we find this written Eve bear a son and his name was Cain and Cain was a tiller of the ground so now we have three generations of gardeners if we count God as the original garden Amen, Gardener, and Adam, his son, is the Gardener, and Cain is his son, as the Gardener. Three generations of Gardeners. Amen. If we count the Lord, how about that? You didn't know that, did you? I'm going to submit that God pays great attention to how things grow. Amen. He, he likes the process of growth. I, you know. Today, if, if we could, what little one do I have in here? I'm not even going to pick him up. I sure don't want him, amen, to bust out screaming. I'd scream to death. Eli. How about that, Eli? Some would say Eli is a toddler. And that's a good description of him because that's who he is. Now, Eli... He's not driving a car. <laughs> he's not mowing a lawn. At least we hope he's not. I don't know what <laughs> Brother Kevin has got him doing. Amen. I, I don't think he walks out to the mailbox and he gets, a, he gets the mail. I, I don't know how in so much as he dresses himself. Okay? But Brother Kevin, I would submit that in his age, he's perfect. You see, and I'm not talking about a little temper tantrums. I'm not talking about all that stuff. I'm talking about in the capabilities of the child. He's perfect. And he's perfect in the sight of God. He's right where he needs to be. Now, he is not, uh, uh, he is not uh, pounding out notes yet on the piano. He's not playing drums. He's not playing the or. He will one day. I can guarantee it. Amen. But, but if we could see this today, that in his age, he is perfect. Matter of fact, I would bet that it's pleasing unto God that Eli is in that place that he's at. Now today, if I was to do a cross-section of this congregation, I would tell you, uh, if I were looking at, at Brother Danny and Sister Sue, they've lived for God for a lot of years. Amen. If I was to look at brother and sister Sturgill and brother and sister Walden, Amen. They have been serving God thirty and forty years, and and, and I, I want to tell everybody that's learned and they've got a lot of the old stuff, Amen. That all of us struggle with out of their lives, Amen. And and in their. Age, I believe that they are probably right where they need to be. And if we take it down to the younger generation, Amen. there is a difference there between age and capabilities and knowledge. Did you know that Jesus himself had to grow in knowledge? Amen? And, and I said that to say this, that when God made the heavens and the earth and the garden and all the fullness thereof, he didn't do it in a single day. He did it, amen, on day one. It was light. On day two, it was this. On day three, it was something else. Amen, the leaf-bearing trees, the herbs, all of that. Amen, the fourth day, I believe, he hung the sun, the moon, the stars, put them all in their place. Amen. And I want us to see that God loved the progression of things, and then he loved to compliment himself. I'm I'm a worker. I'm I'm a workman, and I, I don't know about you, but Brother Walden, when I do a job... Amen. I want to tell you, it's pleasing to me when I get it right. That I would back up and I would say that it was a good job. I don't brag to everybody about it. It's an innermost feeling that I've given it my best and I feel comfortable about where it is. Let me tell you something. Amen. When God created the heavens and the earth, Amen. he made that in a process on day one, on day two, on day three, all the way to day seven. And we're talking about an infinite God which has power and ability beyond our, our wildest imagination. And if God wanted to go from day one to day seven, on day two it would have been simply because God said it but God wanted there to be a progression of times and things happening in the process and I want us today to understand God loves the process of things he loves admiring the growing of things and the maturing of things oh my I could preach about this let me tell us today there are some in here that need some growing up to do Amen. We've got some, amen, that are mature, and we've got some that are here, and we've got some that are here. Amen. But let me tell you this, amen. It is God's will that when that day comes that we meet the teenager age, amen, that we get used to all of those, all of those godly things in in age, and and we work in the process of growing and acquiring understanding. Why? Because God expects us. To progress. Do you want to know why? Because God is a master gardener. He's a master gardener. Does anybody else in here garden like I do? I I love gardens. And I know there's some in here that do. Brother Shane Bogle is a county extension agent. He's got me by a long ways. I mean, some of these older ones around here grow far better gardens than what I've got. But... I don't know about you all, but I love watching my garden in process. And, and, you know, I never go out. I'm going to try to make this shorter than I possibly can. I I never go out and plant a tomato plant and expect to pick a tomato the next day. Now, it would be nice. But it it doesn't work that way. Amen. I've got to fight the... Alligators and tigers and lions and wild beasts and deer and buffalo and antelope and whatever else wants to eat my tomatoes. I've got to fight all them critters off. But it's a process. Most of the time after I plant them, in about three to four weeks, I'm getting a tiller and I'm running the tiller up through there. Why? Because weeds are growing up. I've got to be careful of the tines when I do my tiller and I admire the growth and the process of it. I mean, and then as they get bigger, I begin to see the blooms. And then there's an expectation that's right here. Because I know one day I'm going to eat that bloom in the form of a tomato. You want to know why? Because I'm a gardener. Amen. I God planted a garden. In verse 15, he took the man. Amen, and then he put him in there to dress it and keep it. amen. And, and he made him a gardener. And evidently, Adam took Cain. And he taught him to plant, to toil, amen, in order to build three generations of gardeners. Why? Because God loved gardens. Amen. God loved gardeners. I want us to look a little bit deeper. In Leviticus 2 and 5, the Bible gives us this scripture about the cycles of growth. He said, six years, he said, thou shalt sow the field, and six years thou shalt prune the vineyard and gather the fruit thereof. But in the seventh year shall be the Sabbath. A rest in the land. A Sabbath unto the Lord. Thou shalt neither sow thy field nor prune thy vineyard. Amen. What was going on? Not only were there spring, summer, winter, and fall. But there were cycles that God put in the earth That the garden was supposed to lay fallow and rest. And it was a dedication unto the Lord. Now brother Chris showed me a video the other day. A very interesting one. And it was a man that decided to go back and grow his garden biblically according to Leviticus. Deuteronomy. Genesis. And he grew lemon trees. And he took the first fruit of that tree He brought it to the house of God And he gave it to the Lord He grew his trees Until the sixth year and the seventh year He let it lay fallow Just the way the Bible said to Here in Old Testament time You can look him up on the internet if you would like But the lemons that he grows now right it, Chris? all of the lemons on the tree are the size of grapefruits. you want to know why because he did it the Bible way let me interject this today you can never make it without doing it the Bible way God pays attention he pays great attention to how things grow There's something very interesting in 2 Chronicles 36, 20, and 21. It tells us that Jerusalem was carried away for 70 years into Babylon because for 800 years that the children of Israel had inhabited Israel, for 490 years they did not respect the Sabbath year. So when they were carried off into Babylon... What was finished up was 70 years of Sabbath for the land. Now, let me tell us this. God's going to get his. That's, that's how that works. Amen. And, and he kept them seven. How did they know that, that, that they were getting out of their 70 years? First of all, God gave revelation to a great man. Amen. But also, they could do the counting of the years and realizing that I didn't follow the instructions of God. Now let me tell us today, there's a lot of people that are trying to live for God without following the instructions of God. And let me tell you that eventually it won't pay off. Amen. And you will pay the price for disobedience in not following God's structure in life. Amen. God kept them 70 years to make up for 490 years And the Bible says this. Listen to this very carefully. The Bible said for as long as she lay desolate, she kept Sabbath to fulfill three score and ten years. God's Sabbath was kept. Church, let me tell you this. God knows how to tend his garden. Is that all right? God knows how to tend to his garden. I know this is different, but it's okay. Amen. I is it any surprise that in multiple parables, Jesus spoke of plants and gardening as a comparison to God's greatest creation in the world? Why? Why was there so much amen? I that, that we have about plants and gardening in New Testament time? Because God, the master gardener, said, I've got something I want to talk to you about. He said, Behold, a sower went forth to sow. Uh, and some fell by the wayside. The fowls came and devoured them up. And then some fell on stony places. And they had not much earth. To, and they sprung up, but there was no depth because they had no root. And some amount fell among the thorns. And the thorns sprung up, and it choked them. But others fell on good ground and brought forth fruit a hundredfold, some sixty and some thirty. Amen. What are we talking about? We're talking about the master gardener that planted inside the earth the garden of Eden and now he said I want to talk to you a little bit about gardening. Amen. We know now that this was what he was talking about. A sower went forth to sow and some fell by the wayside. Amen. The fowls came and devoured them up. The Bible said that The word was preached and they didn't understand it. Let me tell you today, you need an understanding of the word of God. Amen. You can't live all spirit and no word. You've got to have the word of God. And neither can you cherry pick the word of God. Because if you cherry pick the word of God, you will make false doctrine all day long. And all you need is one one word amen, to do it. One scripture taken alone by itself and you can distort the word of God. Some, some had uh, fell on stony places that had not much earth. These were the ones that through tribulation. everyone said say tribulation, tribulation or persecution. Now let me explain this to us all. Every one of us have tribulation and persecution in our lives. Many of us to not the extent that we would think that it is, but we do go through some tribulation in our lives, not as in other places. In the world because I believe today that globally it's different around the world than it is here. Amen. But thank God for the time being we're living in peace. Amen. But we find out that through tribulation and persecution. Amen. That some sprung up but there was no depth because they had no root and they withered. They struggled. They just couldn't. They couldn't make a stand for God. I don't know how many people that I've seen that would come to an altar. Amen. We would baptize them in the name of Jesus and be filled with the Holy Ghost. Amen. And then with the first trouble, the first sign, the first failure in their life. Amen. They ran out the door. The church never to come back through. Amen. Let me tell you this. It fits right into the parable that Jesus spoke about. Amen. And then we find... Amen. But others fell on good ground and brought forth fruit. Some a hundred, some sixty, some thirty fold. Amen. He that heareth, he's, this is he that heareth and beareth fruit. Everybody say bear fruit. Bear fruit. We have a Bible study called uh, take root and bear fruit. I don't know about you, but this table makes me hungry. How many know that it's the will of God that we bear fruit? And how perfect it would be that God would call in us those things that need to be manifested in us as fruit. Something brought about, amen, through the process of time and learning and understanding the word of God, I am supposed to produce something. Amen. If if, if I've lived for God for 40 years and I've never told anybody else about the gospel of Jesus Christ, I want you to know I'm not bearing fruit, is that all right? Amen. Oh, I, I can do this and, and live for God. The Bible speaks specifically about the servants. And there was, there was one servant that said, I took what you gave me. I buried it down in the dirt. Amen. I didn't want nobody to get it. I was scared it was going to be wasted. And the Lord took him. And the Bible said he threw him into outer darkness where there was weeping and gnashing of teeth. God did not save us to produce nothing. He didn't save us to produce something. It is entirely up to me submitting myself to God in order to produce something that is satisfactory to God. What would you do with a garden that never produced anything? Have you ever considered that? The work that you put in, the fertilizer, the the chemicals that we treat it with, the tilling, the labor, the sweat. What would you do if a garden produced nothing? How many know that we're supposed to produce fruit in our lives? If we look more at this gardening issue, Jesus went on to say, The kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed seed in the field, and it was good seed. But while he slept, how about that, while he slept, the enemy came and sowed tares among the wheat and went his way. There's not a single person in our life that has not fallen asleep spiritually at the wheel. There's not one within the sound of my voice. And let me tell you what happens when you sleep spiritually. The devil will come in and he will sow tares in your life. Amen. He'll put things there that you don't want to have to contend with. He'll make trouble for you. He'll bother you. He'll, he'll make it hard. He'll make the garden ugly. It'll just It'll be a wreck. Amen. Why? Because we fell asleep. Let me tell us today. And this needs to be preached from the mountaintop. It is now high time that we wake up out of the sleep in which we're in. We need to realize today I don't have time, amen, to go through the motions of having church. I don't have time to pretend being spiritual. I don't have time, amen, in looking to be something that I'm not. It is time that the church. Be the church and we start walking in faith and living by faith and preaching by faith and doing by faith. Why? Because in the process of it all, God the gardener is going to fruit check us uh, and he's going to get a good look at us and say, what are you producing? What are you manifesting in your life? Amen. I find it almost odd. But yet how appropriate that he would say, be not deceived, God is not mocked, for whatsoever a man soweth, how about that, always he goes to gardening, whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap, let me tell us today, you sow trouble buddy, you're going to reap trouble. You Oh my, you sow hurt, you're going to reap hurt. I mean, you you sow heartache, you're going to reap heartache. But if you'll sow in the Spirit, if you'll sow in the Word of God, if you'll sow reaching souls, let me tell you, you'll reap. And oh my, let me tell you, God the gardener is a fruit inspector. And God knows where you are. He knows your spiritual condition. He knows where you're at. And He knows who... Are tares, and he knows who the wheat is. Right. Why? Because God is a master gardener. He's the one that invented the whole process. How about that? He invented every bit. Amen. God is the gardener, and he said this. Shall we go forth and rip up the wheat or rip up the tares? Out of the garden. I, I don't know about you, but I, right now, I've got a garden that's run amok. And I'm sorry that I have, but I became extremely busy at one of the most critical times in my garden. Amen. But in my working, I, I want you to know that I, when I start something, Brother Chris will tell you, I don't quit until I finish it. It's just it bothers me. It, it just grinds on my last nerve not to have something done and not something not done right. And and in that garden of mine, I, I planted and worked, and you know, uh, Brother Bogle, when you run that tiller around and you get everything that you can get, amen. Always you got to get the hoe out, amen. And then you, you, you'll you'll hoe around, and there's this old wretched plant called goosegrass, and I don't know if anybody knows what it is, amen. But the devil invented it when he came here. <laughs> you almost can't kill it. It's got a waxy coating on it and it, it, it just hates everything and it hates your plants and I'm going to tell you why because it grows up so close to the side of your plant that it will be this close and this is the thing that it knows that if it hangs close enough to your plant you can't get it. I have worked in the garden after I've tilled and after I've hoed and after I've plucked and pulled and I have found that sometime the roots of those tares will intertwine themselves with the root of the wheat. And I actually destroyed a couple of plants trying to pull the tares from the good plants. And I said that to say this, that God is the master gardener. And he knows the tares... From the wheat. He understands. Amen. The, I, I, I want us to understand this today. Amen. I want us to know this that, that we can fool pastor. We can fool parents. We can fool our friends. I'm speaking to the adults as much as anybody. We can fool anybody in the world but the fruit inspector. God, the great gardener, you will never fool because of the fruit that you put off. Amen. Always, always he was talking about this. Another parable. He put forth unto them saying, The kingdom of heaven is likened to a grain of mustard seed, which when a man took, he sowed. How about that? Garden. Amen. And he sowed it in his field, which is the least of all the seeds, but when it is grown, it is the greatest of all herbs. Jesus later explained he said, if you have faith as the grain of mustard seed, you shall say unto the mountain, Be thou moved and cast into the sea. Or cast to another place, according to which writer, all the same thing. All you've got, if you've got faith as a grain of mustard. How many in here have faith as a grain of mustard seed? Now, if I would say this, if you have faith as a grain of mustard seed, what are you speaking tell us today I I pray for faith I, I, I've got to have more faith every day and I understand amen that faith is like a spiritual muscle that I've got to operate I planted a garden and, and I, I think I made mention of this but I've got a slew of tomato plants brother Danny but I've got one that's as pretty as the others at least it was and I took this thing and I began to operate in faith and I began every day to go out You would laugh at me. But I would say, oh, plan, I curse you from the root up, and I command you in the name of Jesus to dry up and die. You're never going to produce fruit. You are not going to be anything. And as of yet, that plan is yet to bloom. Now, let me tell us today, what we speak will become. And I want to tell you that in the process of it all, I mean I believe that God will honor the faith that I have in speaking some would say well why why would you do that to your garden let me tell you for faith because I have faith enough to speak a plant into deadness I've got faith enough to command cancer to fall off your body now let me ask you what are you practicing oh you're crazy yes I am I'm crazy enough to say it and believe it and lay a proclamation out there. I'm telling you today, I believe in the name of Jesus that God himself will honor the words. So i say, well, it hasn't happened yet. I'll take a picture and bring it when it happens. Amen. We need to exercise our faith if you sow not, you're not going to reap. If you don't put into the ground, brother Sturgill, brother Sturgill, you'll you'll not pull it out. That, that's that's. You know, I've talked to people in churches. That, that, that are going to the house of God and having church. And they'll say, I, I, don't, I don't quite understand why this is not happening. And I'll ask them, are you talking to sinners? Are you, are you knocking on some doors? Are you sending out flyers? Are, are you meeting people and inviting them to church? I said, because if you're going to reap, you got to sow. Right. Amen. And, and I want to tell us this today many times. We want to reap what everybody else has sowed. Let me tell you, it's your obligation to have your own garden. We need to exercise our faith. If you sow not, you'll have not. In Jeremiah 2 and 21, God said this. He said, I have planted, and you, I have planted you like a choice vine of sound and reliable stock. In 1 Corinthians 3 and 9, he said this of you and I. He said, For we are God's laborers together with God. You are God's husbandry. If you'll look that up, it means garden. It means plants. We are God's garden. Amen. No wonder he said it like this in John 4.35, Behold, I say unto you, lift up your eyes and look into the fields, for they are already white to harvest. God, the gardener, is a master gardener. John 15, Jesus said, I am the true vine, and my father is the husbandman, he's the gardener. And every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. And every branch that beareth fruit, he purgeth it, that it may bring forth more fruit. Let me tell us today that our job with God as our gardener is to bear fruit. To produce something. To produce anything. That's good. My question and God's question to us right now is this. What fruit are you bearing? What are you producing in this world? Let me, let me get real for a few moments. And I know this is a different teaching. Since you've received the gift of the Holy Ghost... Since you've given your life to God, what fruit have you borne? What have you produced spiritually in your life? That's not accusatory. That's just a question. Because I have to ask the same question of myself. Why do I ask that? Someone said, Brother, cook that? That's me. No, because I know that I must answer to the great gardener. Uh, I've, I've got to understand, as a matter of fact, you can find it written. Amen. I, I don't know if you'd call it a parable or, or something to happen, but he said, he said uh, there there was a, a man that he sent forth to a vineyard, amen, to inspect the vineyard. And they worked the vineyard and it produced nothing. And they worked the vineyard and it produced nothing. And they worked the vineyard. Amen. And then the owner of the vineyard sent to the workman and he said, This, where is the fruit? And the man said, there's yet to be any fruit. And he said, then we'll take an ax to the root and get rid of it. And he said, Lord, no. He said, let's dung it. Let's fertilize it. And give it one more year. Because some are late bloomers. Some come when you would least expect it and they produce those that run gardens know what I'm talking about sometimes you've got a plant on the the outskirts of your garden that just has not done anything and you've washed it and you thought you useless thing I ought to yank you up and throw you away but you leave it because you planted it and then all of a sudden out of nowhere a tomato comes (laughs) did you know that I have kept plants in my garden that produce one tomato But because they produced, they were allowed to stay. Let me tell us this today again. God is the master gardener and he is the chief fruit inspector. And he is always inspecting our fruit. Amen? Amen. What fruit are we bearing? What are we producing spiritually? I understand that time is getting away. I want to end this with this. I I ran into a situation in my garden. I learn in my garden. And I I preach about this. Hopefully that you all won't get tired with it. Because God speaks to me. Believe it or not. While I'm gardening. I know that he talks to us. when When we're mowing our lawn. Or doing different things. But I find when I'm busy with my hands. I will get in my garden. And I'll get my rake. And I'll get my hoe. If I have a bad day. I will get in my garden. And I will. I will work that garden and I'll begin to talk to the Lord verbally God I I need you to talk to me I need this to happen I need this I need this year I planted one of the prettiest gardens that I think I've ever planted I I I planted four squash plants that grew up do you have a picture of that up there now the picture that I'm showing you is a little different that's small tomato plant it would be the next one brother you see that one to the left that's my squash plant now that's the squash plant after something traumatic has happened to it I grew four squash plants this year that were absolutely in all of my years of gardening I have never seen a squash plant like that in my life brother Danny they were almost five foot tall and they're six foot around and they weren't done growing at one point, they had uh, some had twenty blooms on, and those blooms, those blooms, some of them were five inches across. They were amazing. I was counting my squash. I said, "Oh, you better watch out!" And then something strange happened. I began to look and as though squash would begin to make, it would begin to rot. It would begin to make and it would begin to rot. I I began to do research. I worked frantically because I worked so hard. I talked to Brother Danny about it. I talked to Brother Shane about it. I talked to others about it. And I I thought, what What in the world is wrong with my plant? Why? Because I'm a gardener. I care about my garden. I care about the things that I've done. And I, I... I, I didn't know what to do. I've ran into something that in all my years of gardening has never happened to me, and I've heard a squash blossom rod and all that, and it wasn't. Finally, Brother Shane told me, he said, Brother Cookie, he said, let's get a soil sample. And he said, let's check the soil. He checked the soil. The pH was off a half a point. I, I've got to put some sulfur on it to bring it down, make it into what it needs to be. And I just shook my head because I didn't feel that that was it. And I was frustrated with all of my plants that were producing nothing that looked so good to everybody. Did you know that we all can do that right there? We can look the part and act the part and dress the part and blossom. I want everybody to hear me very carefully. You can look apostolic. You can dress apostolic. You can sing apostolic. You can run the aisles apostolic. You can cry tears in that altar apostolic. But if you ain't bearing the fruit in your life of holiness and righteousness and peace, long-suffering and gentleness and meekness, then I want you to know something's wrong with your plant. I looked at those plants, and I would pull out of the driveway, and I would say, my, how beautiful they are. That produced absolutely nothing. I I, I thought when I looked at them. I thought if nothing else. there's, There's towns that have squash blossom festivals. And you can eat squash blossoms. You know you deep fry them in the south. We deep fry everything. And I thought no I want squash. They kept producing nothing. And I thought it's too late for me to add anything. They were starting to deteriorate. And then a week ago, we had a storm. And in that storm, I shook my head and I said, you poor little unfruitful squash plant. You're done for today. And I thought, I'm never going to get to see this thing produced the way that it needed to produce. And I told Brother Shane, I said, I wrote them off. They're done. And then I went out to pick my cucumbers that are making like crazy. And I just happened to to glimpse at my squash plants that have been beat and tore and ripped and shredded. The leaves have been pounded into nothing. And I picked squash and I picked squash and I picked squash and I picked squash. And then I understood what happened. In those squash plants, not one insect could fertilize those plants because the blossoms were hid by all the foliage. But when that storm shredded that plant, it opened up every blossom to the entire world. And now, Brother Forbes, if you don't reach in there carefully, you'll get stung. And now I have fruit coming out my ears. Now let me break this down. Sometimes the storms of your life are the very thing that you need to produce fruit in your life. And sometimes the insects in your garden that you hate so much are very much what you need. Because without a pollinator, Brother Bogu, Brother Danny, you can't grow a plant. If you don't have bees and you don't have butterflies, you don't have squash. How about that lesson for gardening? Let me tell us today. God is the master gardener. He is the chief fruit inspector and let me tell you what he will do. He will prune your leaves back and he will infest you with insects if it will bring forth fruit in your life. So those things that you're cursing in your life, those things that you're crying about, those things that you think are hurting you are actually making you or bringing you into a place of becoming fruitful. How many know what the tribulations, how precious they are? They're much more precious than gold. All of the hardships that we face, they're much more precious than gold. And let me tell us today, it's not about you. It's not about your plant. It's about his fruit. That's what your life is all about. We want our life to be about that plant. We want that plant to be easy going. We want that, le- that plant to have a life of luxury. We want that plant to be well watered and fertilized. We want that plant right there to live the easiest life that it needs to live. Amen. To be beautiful. But let me tell you something. God don't care how beautiful you are to this world. He cares how fruitful you are for his kingdom. Amen? So let's not worry about the beauty of this old world. And let's start worrying about being fruitful for the kingdom of God. What are you producing in your life? Again, I'm going to say if you're producing hardship, if you're a finger pointer, if you're a fault finder, let me give you a word today from the Lord. God will give it back to you ten times over. He will give it back to you until it comes out your ears. But if you work for the, for the kingdom of God in producing fruit and producing godly things, let me tell you, you'll be able to look back in your ministry and say this, Amen, I through the gospel birthed this one. I through the gospel birthed that one. I through the gospel produced that one. Let me tell those uh, people in here today that are working ministry, let me tell you something, ministry ain't never going to be easy. It ain't never going to be easy. Amen. But let me tell you, you ain't the first one to suffer things in your life either. Amen, and let me tell you, if it brings about for the glory of God, Paul said that I may know him in the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering, brother. Amen, let me tell us this, as long as I know him, as long as I'm producing fruit, if I'm uncomfortable, if it's the will of God, then let me be that as long as I can do something for the kingdom of God. What are you doing for the kingdom of God? What are you producing? What are you making? What are you becoming? My stand with me today.